Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them and turn with me to 2 Timothy. We're going to take a break from our series in Exodus, and I think you understand why, because it is a very, very important day as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is risen. I can't hear you because you're not with us in this building. He is risen. I'll help you out. He is risen indeed. You know, things are very, very different. Um, I've heard this week that the church is empty. That's bad news. But the tomb is also empty. And that is really, really good news. We know that this is different. When, when nothing is the same, I think we got to work at some level to try to keep things the same. I know with an empty church, we're not used to that. Um, you're joining us online, and I'm glad, but I thought about, do I wear a tie on Easter? So I've always worn a tie. You try to keep things the same. I was wondering, how long has it been? How many years have I got up on Easter morning and put on a tie? You know, what's interesting is a lot of people have, I think you'd agree, a little bit of downtime recently. Um, my Aunt Deb was going through some old pictures, and she sent them out to us, and she actually just recently sent this picture. I thought it would be appropriate to share with you this morning. This is Easter Sunday, 1974, with me in my Easter tie. Um, that's my little sister, Ruthie, and I'm peeking around the corner. This is before we went to church, and I understand the plaid pants are maybe pushing it a little bit. I decided to not go with the plaid pants this morning, but certainly to go with the tie. So I thought I'd share that with you to say that, you know, when nothing's really the same, we have to keep things the same. We celebrate the risen Savior at Easter. Easter is really a fascinating times, generally, when a lot of people find themselves in church. Today, you realize that there's a lot more people probably than ever before that are tuning in to church. And this is a good thing. It's a day for the church to lay out what it is that we believe for any and all people to examine, and I would say even evaluate. We've all heard this, that there are many faiths and religions and belief systems. We've all heard this phrase, that there are many roads, but they're the same destination. Many ways to God, but wait a minute, no, that's, that's not truth. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus Christ says this in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, is that, is that offensive to some people? Yes, perhaps it is. But is that truthful? Most definitely. Jesus also taught this in Matthew chapter 7, Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This morning, my prayer 
is that if you don't know the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, that today will be the day of salvation, that today you will find the narrow road of truth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we begin our time together, listening to and Lord willing, learning from the preaching of his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. We thank you together. We know, Lord, that in many ways, that very first Easter, when the disciples were huddled together in a, in a locked-up room, it's how many people are celebrating today that, in a sense, in your providence, we return to how the very first Easter was celebrated. But we thank you, Lord, that you are at work that you are alive, that you are well, that in your plan you have given to us a very unique moment to worship you this way, this day. And I would pray, Lord, my prayer is that we would take advantage of this opportunity, that we would lean in and listen to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ more than ever before. May we be more grateful than ever for the privilege that we have normally of meeting together, of worshiping together. And when that's taken from us, Lord, how we long for it and how we miss it. We do pray, Lord, for many, many across the world who are suffering. We pray, Lord, for the healthcare workers. We pray for our leaders. Give them wisdom. We pray, Lord, for those that have lost loved ones. We pray, Lord, that as the church, we're, we're, we've been deployed we're scattered about to minister love and grace and hope and truth. And may we do that as we speak into the lives of others and encourage them in the name of Jesus. Father, I just pray right now for clarity of thought and mind and speech that everything, every word that is spoken would be for your glory. Please guard my mind and my mouth from saying anything that would ever hurt or offend. But help it, Lord, to be piercing truth for your glory we ask this in the amazing and wonderful name of our risen savior jesus amen and amen we know as much as we enjoy the easter baskets and easter eggs and easter hunts and the chocolates and the jelly beans easter is about far more than that easter is about the resurrection of jesus which is the the most foundational fundamental doctrine of orthodox biblical christianity the apostle paul who wrote more on the resurrection than any other new testament author said this in first corinthians 15 if christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain then your faith is in vain you realize that there's no other faith there's no other religion in the entire world that would claim a resurrected savior so we know that you cannot have Easter without Jesus, and you cannot have Jesus without the resurrection. When Paul was preaching to the philosophers in Athens in Acts chapter 17, he says this. He said, I have one message. I have one message. Jesus and the resurrection. Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. The whole 
point of Easter Sunday not only speaks about Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the tomb, but it speaks about the most relevant, the most pertinent and pressing question for you and I today. We face this question this week, this month, this moment more than ever before. Here's the question. What do we do? What do we do about the subject of death? Have you ever been involved in a project and you've got stuck before? I think of as I write and I get stuck on a paragraph, I get stuck on a page. Think, think about you're, you're, you're building the proverbial birdhouse in the garage and it's not going well. You're putting together a puzzle and, and it all looks blurry. And what you do is you just stop and you walk away from it for a minute. You need a break. But eventually you walk back to the project. This Easter, I, I want you to think about the problem of death. And it gets blurry and it gets hard. We've heard so much about it. And we actually step away for a moment. But today we walk back to it. And there's a solution here waiting for us. You need to know what the truth is today more than any other day. Recent events, unparalleled, unprecedented events have brought a lot of really needed dialogue about the subject of a vaccine, of an antidote, a cure, a remedy. There must be some solution out there. And we hope and we are praying that this will be soon. But people, be assured, be assured that the best vaccine that we can ever find only prolongs the inevitable. Yes, we need to get over this hump that we're talking about. We need to get over the hump. But my question is this, for people, what happens on the other side of the hump for you? It is normal and it is natural for us as those creating the image of God. It's natural for us to want to avoid death and to extend life as long as possible. And through medical advancements and the blessings of technology and science, it can be extended for a period of time. But ultimately, no one can avoid the problem we all face of death. And we know that right now there are more people, there are more people that are living in fear than ever before. Thus the timing the timing of Easter 2020 in the midst of a global pandemic in God's providence is, is perfect to learn about this subject. We need to speak of the fact and celebrate the day that Jesus abolished death. We've opened our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We have the Apostle Paul writing here. He is nearing the end of his life and he's sitting in a prison cell in Rome and, and he writes to his dear friend, his protege, Timothy, young Pastor Timothy. The Apostle Paul is well aware of the fact that he was not, probably not going to make it out alive. We know that he didn't. L listen very carefully, listen very carefully to the words that he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We pick it up. In verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. 
nor, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Regardless, if you are joining us this morning for the very first time, regardless of your views about what you believe about Christianity, about what you believe about the church, about the Bible, Easter, or the Easter bunny. There's one phrase that I just read that, that it ought to jump up and ought to grab your attention. Let me, let me read it to you again from verse 10. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life. What, 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 is this, what does this mean here? The Apostle Paul from a prison cell is writing about Easter. Now, now, I want you to know very carefully what is said here. Paul does not say that Jesus eliminated physical death. That still happens. Walk around a hospital, a nursing home, a funeral home, a cemetery. You and I know, in spite of the incredible advancements in medical technology, the death rate remains unchanged. If you what are on this earth long enough, there's a 100% chance that you are going to die. But it doesn't say Jesus eliminated. It says that Jesus abolished death. The word is ketargo. It, it means this. It means to render it inoperative. What Jesus did is, is that he deactivated. In a sense, he, he disables and he disarms he takes death and he puts it out of action. How do I how do I explain this to you? I'm a I'm a I'm a people person, and I I think it's not a shock to say that I I we've been missing being together with other people, and so we can use the time to read, and that's a good thing. And I've been reading a lot, but inevitably you get tired from reading, and you do it too. You're going to watch some TV. And you're realizing, wait a minute, generally I would go to like an ESPN, which is what? It's, it's entertainment and sports programming network. It's pretty hard to be entertained when there is what? There's no sports. There's nothing programmed on any network. So it's kind of hard to be like entertained by that. So, so this past week, I ended up watching the Smithsonian Station. Very interesting show, if I could tell you about it. it. was It was about World War II spy school. Listen to this. Before there was the CIA, there was the OSS, a top-secret spy agency hatched by Roosevelt and Churchill in the darkest hours of World War II. 
They used terms like SOE, Special Operation Executive, and they were trained at Camp X. I mean, is that stuff just cool or what? And they were trained to go into enemy territory with plastic explosives, or spies would refer to it as Comp C. That's just a cool term. The spies would go with this comp seat, this plastic explosive, and they would sneak places, and they would go to bridges, and they'd go to, to, to railroads, and they'd go to munition depots, and they would put their explosives, and what? They would blow things up, thus what? They would take the weapons of the enemy, and they would render it inoperative. The enemy's weapons were made useless. Likewise, think about this for a moment. When Jesus left the glories of heaven, Matthew chapter 1, John chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, when Jesus, what came down, he came into enemy territory. And he came with a purpose that thankfully, praise God, he fulfilled. Therefore, when one trusts, in what Jesus did, he abolished death and brought life. You don't have anything. You do not have anything to worry about. You don't have anything to fret. You don't have anything to fear any longer. Sure, physical death still exists, but it doesn't have to chase us down. It doesn't have to what haunt us. It doesn't have to hurt us. Not for the what? Not for the life of a Christian. And if the question is like, but, but, like, but how does this, like, how does this happen? The question is like, why is this important? The question is, when can I eat my Easter candy? Right? Well, let's just pause here. Be before the what? Before the Easter bunny chocolate that we enjoy. Before the ham dinner that we'll eat as families. We have to recognize that there's a problem. We've all been recently reminded of a term that I don't think up to a couple weeks ago a lot of us really knew about. It's called the, the R-naught. The R-naught is a mathematical term that indicates how contagious an infectious disease is. And it's referred to as the, the reproduction number, as infection spreads to new people, it reproduces itself. For example, if it's an if it's an R naught of of three, R to three, which means one person will infect three other people, or an R four, one person will infect four. You, you realize what it says in Scripture. In in Romans chapter five, it says this: Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. I was thinking about this. Okay, so Adam, in a sense, has an R-naught number of one to what? One to every single person that has ever existed in the history of the world. Yeah, but you're like, wait a minute, that, that, that breaks down, right? Because Adam didn't infect me. Adam didn't cough on me. You know, there's other ways for diseases to actually spread. And it doesn't have to be infected. It actually can be inherited. And, and you realize that Adam, in a sense, was our representative in the Garden of Eden. That through Adam's 
sin, Adam's action, we have inherited, what, the same disease. The, 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 the result of sin is death. But thankfully, just as we are represented by Adam in the garden, thankfully Christ represented us on the cross and in the tomb. Romans chapter 5 continues on with this. In verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, listen to this, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. You realize that's what we celebrate. The author of Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews chapter death, Hebrews chapter two, through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So rather than listening what? <clears throat> and allowing the, the enemy Satan, who loves to what? Instill lies and instill fear of death into people's lives, which literally what it causes people to, to, to be crippled and frozen. Rather than sitting, what, locked in rooms fearful of death, we must remember what Jesus Christ did on that Easter morning. We must remember what Jesus did on the day of resurrection. We must remember what Jesus did. Yes, he died on the cross and paid the payment for my sin and for your sin, but he didn't stay dead. We must remember that as Jesus rose again, he abolished death and brought life. Now what? So, so, so what? As we celebrate the day that Jesus abolished death, I want to encourage you. I want to leave you with three things I want you to do. I want you to do these three things. Number one is this. Trust Jesus who promised the forgiveness of sins. The first thing I want you to do this Easter, okay, has been what? It has been designed by God since the very foundations of the earth were set for us to be, to be meeting like this. And God offered his own son to suffer and pay the price for your sin and for my sin. What I want you to do is trust Jesus who promised the forgiveness of sin. Now, we know the Easter story is a wonderful story. It's a story of celebration. But it doesn't, it doesn't begin very nice. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead, but remember, he had to die first. And it was a horrible, horrible death. But just as Jesus was mocked and scorned, and just as he had a crown of thorns pressed upon his head, do you realize that, that God the Father took all of our sins, all of my sins, all of your sins, and, and, and he pressed them once and for all upon his own son? Do, do you realize that just as Jesus was nailed, literally what? Spikes driven through hands and feet. 
just as Jesus was bleeding and writhing in unmatched agony at the cross, that God the Father actually took all of our sins, your sins and my sins, and allowed them to be nailed once and for all to the cross. Although Jesus, what literally his flesh was torn, his spirit was not. And when Jesus cried out on that cross, it is finished. It's finished. What, what resulted, I think, is the greatest mystery of all time. I, I don't know how God did it, but he now declares as a result of what Jesus suffered on our behalf, he declares us what? Righteous, justified, if we trust in his work. Remember what we read in Hebrews chapter 2, through death he, Jesus, delivers us all. But I tell you what, there's still a responsibility. Jesus has done everything that needs to be done. There's still a responsibility for you and I to acknowledge our sin and accept his forgiveness. That's, that's trust. With truth attached to it. We're not just blind trust. It, it's trust with truth backed. I, I, think, of, I think of a kid that, that is in the car seat in the back. And, and, and just because we all, what, we miss people. It wasn't that long ago. A car drove up. They had to deliver something. And, and there was a little one in the back seat. And so the window was rolled down. And I kept my social distance. I kept my six feet distance. But I'm like, hey, how you doing in there? All right? Everything okay? And you know that they're strapped in there and they're safe. I've never heard little four-year-olds say, you know what? Mom and dad, totally, totally confused. We're probably never going to make it home. We're cooked. This might be the last time I ever see you. I've never heard that. Why? All they're doing is they're, what? They're, they're just with dad and mom. Dad and mom know the way home. They're not worried about it. They're not afraid. Matter of fact, it even tells us in the word of God that we're to receive the kingdom of God like a child's. That's the type of trust that you and I need to have. If you are like millions, literally millions upon millions who live in fear of death and sickness and disease and dying, and you're wondering, what's next? I tell you what, today more than any other day, you need to know the saving, redeeming, freeing, delivering work of Jesus. Remember this, Jesus removes the fear of death. Like a little tiny baby asleep in her mama's arms. So can you be in the arms of Jesus when you trust him? Thankfully, when Jesus removes the fear by offering forgiveness, and we know there is forgiveness and we are safe, I tell you what, you, you can't help, you can't help to be in joy and to live what rejoicing in gladness I like the little boy, the little 10-year-old boy who, who walked up to his pastor at the end of Easter 
uh, service. At the end of Easter service, pastor had preached, and the little boy goes up to him. He says, hey, good sermon, doc. He said, we sure are sitting pretty, aren't we? I love that truth. That's great truth that you can trust in. Secondly, the second thing I want you to do is thank Jesus who promised eternal life with him. I want you to live thanking Jesus. You have to realize when, when Jesus was living and ministering here on this earth, he said, what? After three days, I will rise again. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. As he's, as he's working and ministering, he said it. I want everyone to hear, after three days, I will rise again. Jesus also said in John chapter 14, because I live, you too shall live. You know what Jesus did is that he gave a promise. I don't know about you, but when someone gives a promise and holds to that promise, it's a pretty impressive thing. I know I'm getting... I'm getting older. I'm not old yet, but I'm getting older. And I think, I think what happens as people get older, they, they, they get a little bit more skeptical. They've heard a lot and seen a lot. It's very easy for, for, for a person to get, to get skeptical or even cynical. And, and at some level, I've heard, I've heard people tell me so many things that I'm really at the place where I'm like, don't, don't tell me anything else anymore. Don't, don't say it. Show me. Don't, don't, don't use words. Use actions. Realize that's exactly what Jesus did. It's why on the morning of the resurrection, what we celebrate the fact that Jesus kept his promise. The Bible is very clear on this. Yeah, but that's the Bible. You can't believe the Bible. Roman historian Titus Flavius Josephus recorded exactly what the Bible confirms. That there were more than 500 witnesses that saw Jesus dead and then saw him alive. People, it's more than just the words of Josephus. It's the word of Jesus who said what? I will die, but in three days I will come again. He kept his promise. When Jesus broke through the barrier, the death barrier, you have to realize that no one else... No one else has credentials like that. Go to every single belief system and faith and religion in the entire world. You get someone to do that, and, and, and I'll believe. But until then, I will believe the only one with an obvious understanding, the most basic problem in all of life, and that's death. I'm going to trust that one. There's no need to fear. There's no need to live with terror in your heart when you know Christ who has abolished death. Thirdly and finally, I want you to live for Jesus. Live for Jesus who promised that there is no need for your heart to be troubled. That's our responsibility today. In, in, the, in the mystery of the crucifixion, the events of the cross... In the mystery of the resurrection, the events of the tomb. God, God was doing something that we just cannot completely understand. We will not fully understand it until we are with him in the glories of heaven. But you realize, until that time, 
You and I are called out to live in such a way that people see in you the hope. As a matter of fact, it says they'll ask you, why do you have hope? It's what the Word of God tells us. We're to live in such a way that we have love rather than what? A disdain for the actions of someone else. We look at the actions of someone else and we extend grace to them. Why? Because we've received grace. We forgive them. Why? Because we have been forgiven. We're to live in such a way that not only do we have hope and love, but joy. Oh, the joy and delight of a smile and of a laugh draws people. We live with a peace, a settled peace that the world cannot understand. We live with a peace, a love, a joy, and a hope even in the middle of a global pandemic. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. When we know that he, his disciples were beginning to get a little wiggly, beginning to get a little thin, beginning to get a little worried, Jesus spoke to them with these words, and I quote, John chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Let not your hearts be troubled. People, I have stood over the grave of many people. Grown children that have buried parents and parents that have buried young children and read those very verses from John chapter 14. And you know what I have seen? I have witnessed firsthand a true hope and a joy. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. We are confident when we are absent from the body. We are present with the Lord's. If you were to travel to Oxford, England, on Broad Street, in the very, very center of the road, in the middle of the road, there is a small area that is paved with granite in the form of a cross just outside Balliol College at the University of Oxford. And that, that, that spot in the middle of the road is a marker because it was on that very spot that on October the 16th, 1555, two Anglican bishops, Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer, who refused to bend to the convictions, what, of the wishes of one Queen Mary. It was on that spot that they were literally ignited. They were burned at the stake for their faith. They, they actually were tied side by side, and they could actually converse. They could speak with one another. And it was in that very moment as what? As flames were licking at their feet. When Latimer said, he said, be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. 
We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace and in England as I trust shall never be put out. I don't know about you. Somebody light me on fire. I don't know how I would respond. But I pray as God promises that his grace would be sufficient in that hour of need. And that we can have such boldness and confidence and such peace, such as was demonstrated by those men. Why? How did they do that? How did they live like that? They, what? They knew the truth of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, that you and I celebrate this Easter. My prayer for you this morning is that you too would know and trust Jesus. Trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Thank Jesus for the gift of eternal life and what live every single day, every single moment. Understanding the full promise of the Lord Jesus Christ who said what I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Easter 2020. Like no other Easter we've ever celebrated before. Totally unique, but the message of hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ remains rock solid. Today, celebrate the day that Jesus abolished death and offered life. May the Lord bless you. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we are just so amazed at who you are. We're amazed at the work that you have done for us through Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation that is offered to us, knowing that the price has been paid. I pray, Lord, today that if there's someone that's hearing this message that, that, that does not know you, that has not accepted the gift of forgiveness, that today they would do that in the quietness of their own hearts. Father, draw them unto yourself. Again, as hard as it is, we thank you for the timing of this moment as we can lean in and listen to you. I, I think like never before. Father, we rejoice. We rejoice that although there is what? Trouble and trialing times. In the reality of physical death, we know, Lord, the promise because of the, the, the proof and the promise that is kept of a resurrected Savior. Oh, how we look forward to eternal life with you. Thank you for loving us. We love you. Bless us. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful and matchless name of our risen Savior, Jesus. Amen and amen. Just want to remind you that if you have any questions about anything that I spoke about, any questions about the word of God, this is an opportunity for you to just in the quietness of your own home to, 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 to write and to ask. As Pastor Stewart mentioned, together at bigwoods.org. If you have a question about something, we want to do the best that we can to answer. If there's a need that you have, if you're struggling or worried about something, we're in this together at bigwoods.org. May the Lord bless you. And remember, he is risen. He is risen indeed.